from Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I'm Mark Quanstrom. And go ahead. Yeah, and here we are. We're having conversations on the real story. <laughs> yeah, Did you here say we go. reality show? I don't know. No, I mean, heartfelt, honest conversations of the day in the life of a pastor and a leader. Yes. And so we're just spending these first few episodes of this year catching up talking about day-to-day work and, and ministry and, and being overthrilled and joyed. Oh, that's right. We were overthrilled and joyed, joyed and which I really like that. Mm-hmm. I still like that. Yeah. 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 And uh, last time uh, we talked about some of the adventure, we'll mm-hmm. say, at Northern mm-hmm. um, and uh, how I found myself involved in the middle of it mm-hmm. uh, through no fault of my own. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah. Just minding my own business when Tara Beth introduced me to Northern and uh, kind of found myself in the middle of it. But that's, that is a part of what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm also still, so far, at least when I left College Church today, I was still the pastor of College you Church. You were still the pastor, a beloved pastor. And I see that because uh, you pastored my hometown and you are beloved by the people there. And I know that if you are beloved, it it doesn't mean that every day is perfect. Um, but you guys, you know, I I was I was on your campus, um, gosh, a couple months ago and got a tour. Oh yeah, oh, my yeah, goodness. yeah, yeah. You went through some renovations and yeah, some freshening and oh my, just beautiful. The College Church has been uh, on Olivet's campus for seventy-five years or so, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Incredible history. And uh, it's a traditional building. It was a traditional building mm-hmm. in the shape of, in the shape of a cross, mm-hmm. right? One of the only Nazarene. I think it's the only Nazarene church that's in a, is cruciform in shape because that's mm-hmm. Catholic or Orthodox. Mm-hmm. Protestant churches mm-hmm. don't do that, mm-hmm. right? So we have transepts and a nave mm-hmm. and a chancel. Right. So we have we don't really call them those things because nobody knows what those things are. But we have those things. And um, the church uh, has been there 75 years. But because it went to a multi-site and then left the multi-site model and became its own church again 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. um, I was asked to be the senior pastor of the folk that were a part of the campus of College Church on the campus of Mm -hmm. Alabama University. So it's Mm -hmm. been around for 75 years. And I've been the pastor for 10 years wow. so far. I was the campus pastor for four years before that. And then after a brief respite mm-hmm. of four months when mm-hmm. I quit mm-hmm. and thought I was done forever again, um, assumed the leadership of the church in June of 2014. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you were to describe 2023 in, let's just, let's just see, one word. Okay, so... I'm going to, I have to qualify it. Okay. I can't really do it in one word. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. What preacher could do things, something, anything in one word? Right. Okay. 2,000 words. (laughs) (laughs) That might be what's more true. Yeah. Um, I consider it the greatest privilege of my life at this time to be pastor of College Church. Wow. I'll start there. Okay. Okay. This is a gift. Yeah. This is a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Have, you know, oh, go ahead. But I will also say... Mm -hmm. Uh, this has been the hardest year in I've ever pastored. It's, mm. This has been the hardest year to pastor in my life. Mm. 
this year. And you've been there 10 years. Yeah, and I was in Belleville for 23 years. And I'm sure there were, I mean, there were hard years in Belleville. I mean, I have stories, mm -hmm. right? And we wanted to leave Belleville several times and didn't. Um, but as far as the challenges to ministry, um, this has been the hardest year ever for me, mm -hmm. for me and Deb. What's interesting is we began this last, um, our last episode talking on mar about marriage. Yeah. And I shared with you, I said the hardest years of my marriage were 10, 11 12. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we compared pastoring to marriage. Oh, we, that's interesting. Here you are year 10. Well, uh, for, I mean, and we've, and okay. So if you were to look at the stats, mm -hmm. if you were just to look at the metrics. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, COVID was hard, right? COVID was really hard. Yeah. And, uh, so we did COVID, we, so we did remote. Um, but during COVID we built this, um, this foyer, mm -hmm. $3 million foyer mm -hmm. that connected the transepts and the nave. Mm -hmm. You'll have to look those up yeah. if you don't know what those yeah. mean. Which was really necessary. I mean, I, I, you know, I attended college church mm -hmm. um, in my 10 years and I can remember, I mean, you, you open the front door and boom, you're in the sanctuary. You're in the sanctuary. Oh, <laughs> there was no room for any fellowship right. or hospitality. Right. Yeah. You open and it the... was shocking if you're a first timer, like you're all, you walk in and it's mid service and you're in the sanctuary. You're almost in the sanctuary. You yeah. have like 10 feet yeah. of no room. Right. And um, because most of the uh, investment had been to this other, the other site, the building was, the building looked, the building looks, the building looked dated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It looked like a fuddy-duddy church. Yeah. It has pews. Like it hadn't been updated since the 70s, maybe. Uh, to, in since my view. the 50s. The 50s. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, I wasn't alive either of those decades, so I wasn't positive, but I thought maybe. It hadn't changed <laughs> since it was built in 1985. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. At a balcony and, and this low-hanging roof over the foyer and absolutely no. And so what we had were, was three congregations. We had people who sat in the south transept who would enter and exit that way. Mm -hmm. People sat in the north transept, enter and exit that way. And people who sat in the main, the nave, the main part. And exit and enter. So I had a family tell me that they went to church, a college church, for 10 years sitting in the south transept. And when they moved to the main, the nave, the main part, people asked them if they were new to college church. <laughs> they were going to a different church. So the point of the, okay, so the metrics, you would think, what? Why was it such a, why is it, why was this year so hard? Mm -hmm. Yeah, what? Um, I mean, we've, we've not, okay. Attendance is, is the same. Mm -hmm. we, we raised more money this year than we did last year. We raised more money last year by 20% than we did the year before, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So um, we have more small groups. We have a more vibrant Sunday school. Mm -hmm. um, attendance in the worship service is static because people leave and people come. Yeah. Well, and you're on the merry-go-round there in Burbank. Oh. There is a... Very pronounced church marriage around there. Oh, there really is. Yeah. So we have been the benefit of it, and mm -hmm. um, we have also uh, we have been dismayed by it. Yeah. Right. So um, I kind of like to think of there are four large, really, I mean, good Nazarene churches. Well, three Nazarene churches, and one that is not Nazarene, but might as well be. Mm -hmm. um, which there's the circulation of saints um, that happens. Mm -hmm. Right. right. And so I, I am telling people that basically I have to think of College Church as one of the multi-sites of right. all the churches right. in, right. in the Bourbon-Aikiki area. We're just a multi-site, yeah. even though we're an independent church. Right. So why has it been so hard? Um, I, I don't know. 
Hmm. Okay. I have been disappointed by uh, some folks who have left, hmm. good hmm. friends who have left. That is the most painful thing to navigate as a pastor. I have wept more this year over College Church than I have hmm. ever in my life. I have I I have wept and I have second guessed myself more as a leader than I ever have. Now those around me are saying what you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Yeah, I I I get that. You know, I I hear all the time when so there's nothing quite as painful as when someone leaves a church and especially when they're dear and they've been there in their core and they're they're close and it's I, and I don't mean this like flippantly against the people who said that to you, but you don't have to weep over. You don't have to, you know, but n- no one understands the pain of that except for the pastor. Right. Yeah. So people you pour your life into, people that um, you love, genuinely love, um, people that you serve, um, uh, when they leave, um, there's no way you don't take it personally, and it may have nothing at all to do with you, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it truly may not have anything at all to do with you. Right. So, um, so, and it, it's not like there's been a mass exodus. This is like, like one family, okay, mm-hmm. for Pete's yeah. sake, yeah. in the church. But it just, it just hurt. Yeah, it just, it just hurt. Um, and I'm not, I'm not. I don't want to suggest that they shouldn't have left yeah. or that there was that there that it was wrong for them to leave. I'm, I can't say that at all. But I've come to the conclusion that if it doesn't hurt, then you're not pastoring right. Right. That to be able to be indifferent to people's coming and going mm-hmm. um, is indicative that you're not living well enough or close enough with the church. Oh, that's good. Yeah, otherwise it's just a, it's a show. Yeah, so. Production. Yeah, and um, we've had, we've had four families with children move, Mm. which was a hit to our children's ministry. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, I think we've had 17 children leave within three months, Mm. not because they didn't like the church. They love, they love our, the Pastor Sherry. And her work there, right. but they took other jobs. They moved away. It is that generation's habit to move. Yeah, right. So we've had, so we've taken a bit of a hit in our children's ministry, mm-hmm. right? Um, and um, as much as I rail against vanity metrics, um, I'm imprisoned by them. Mm. I'm Thank enslaved. you for that. I think you just probably set some people free in hearing that you are in prison. I mean, every time I hear you say that, I'm like, thank you. I said Because to, I feel less alone. I said to a staff person, I need an exorcism. Yeah. I said me to a too. staff person the last week, I need an exorcism me because too. they have to live with me. I mean, they're staff. They're living. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but the, the, the vanity metrics. So um, no pastor wants to say, our attendance this year is approximately the same as it was last year. Mm-hmm. No pastor wants to say that. No. Right? Most pastors would say that, mm-hmm. um, even if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, no church sustains continual growth decade after decade. No. No church does that. No. Right? And we've had pastors this last year who've 
talked about hanging in there uh, when their church has gone from 400 to 200 and they've stayed, right? 800 to 150, I think we had one. Yeah. And, and you talked about the exodus from Pasadena. Yeah. I'm going, I'm listening to these stories uh, theoretically, academically. Um, and I've said to Deb and others, okay, so I'm hearing these stories, not thinking that I should have to be subject to subject to them myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So no pastor wants to say, but I mean, it is not nothing that the people who were in your church a year ago are still there. Right. That's not nothing. Right. Right. That's something with the disaffection with the church, with the distrust of of institutional mm-hmm. church, mm-hmm. with the uh, exodus of people from mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. to uh, to sustain yeah. and maintain um, a church is her. I can't. Is Miss Rook? Is I'm going to just say it's not nothing. Yeah, that is something to, to. But no, but, but I, I mean, I think this is a spiritual problem with me sometimes. This has to do with contentment, and and unrealized expectations. Yeah, uh, or unrealizable expectations, or expectations that are not realistic. Yeah, or an attempt to justify or vindicate myself yeah. by virtue of the vanity metrics of success. Yeah. Oh, it's just been, the Lord has been really working me over this last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. And and there are, and this is unfair to the people of College Church because this is a precious congregation. This is an and this is a these are precious people. I love them dearly. Yeah. So um to to I think part of the hard has just been cultural. Mm-hmm. Has been part of the hard has been me embracing um the the pain of other pastors who have come and talked to me. Uh, some of the hard has been the shared sorrow. And um, we have uh uh, we have demogra- you know across the board demographics in our church, but we have I have done in the last four weeks three funerals of dear friends. Yeah, um, and I don't know that I appreciate the cost of that sorrow mm-hmm. as I officiate over officiate a funeral of one who I'm mourning the death of. Yeah, I don't know that I appreciate well enough how much that costs. Yeah to do that takes a toll again and again and again so why has it been the hardest year um i don't know the answer to that but well i think you articulated it well um you gave us a picture of the day in the life of pastoring it's sometimes just an absolute thrill and some days the days are dark there's loss um there's mourning there is times where we question our call. We we question: Should I? Is this the time that I should go? Should I stay? Right. I, I mean, I think that question. Pastors face that question probably every year. <laughs> and pastoring, yeah. you know, and I yeah. think, um, you know, again, when we started this episode, we we last episode we compared pastoring to a marriage, and people in marriages. You know, you you look at that person, you're like, man, can we can we do this? Right. You know, but. So, so Mark, how how are you keeping yourself grounded 
in reality, right? Because you said so you have unrealized, um, you have expectations that are unrealistic that are... I think I do. Yeah. So what are some of the practices you do to lower those expectations and ground yourself in reality? Well, I'm not sure I should lower the expectations. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it was a joke when they said, if you don't have any expectations, you're never going to be disappointed, uh -huh. right? right? Right, Yeah, and you could protect yourself from disappointment by doing that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. No, I am pressing as hard as I've ever pressed. Yeah. I am, we are rethinking how effective our missional strategies are. Mm. Every year uh, we meet, uh, we, we, we meet as a staff. We, I call them a collect, a, a annual collect. We collect ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Anglican. We come together and I do a reassessment of, of what we're doing at College Church. Mm -hmm. Are we doing what we should be doing? Are we strategy, are the strategies that we are employing fulfill in harmony with the mission? I mean, we have, we have done as much of an examine of what we are doing at College Church the last three months than I ever yeah. have in wow. 10 years. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and we are becoming more clear regarding metrics that we're going to be applying to whether or not we're fulfilling the mission of mm -hmm. College Church. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, I unrealistic expectations. Yes, perhaps, but am I going to lower my expectations for the sake of uh, a little less discomfort? I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, this is that's the cost of leading a church. Mm -hmm, it really is. Um, God has the highest expectations for us, mm -hmm. okay? And he is constantly disappointed, <laughs> right? So, the, but he doesn't say, okay, let's, let's jettison the expectations. He didn't say that. He says, no, no, we have to keep we have to right. we uh, have to keep trying to realize them. It's the tension of law and gospel. Yes. So so I say this is the hardest year. Um, part of it has to do just workload. I mean, Northern's been a bit of work, and I've been I've been working hard at being very faithful to my family. I'm very sensitive to that. So part of it is just to have more work to do than I have time for. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't. But Northern feeds my work at College Church, sure. and College Church feeds my work at Northern. So I see. That and the board and the church is entirely supportive. So some of it is just workload, but some of it is um, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to lower my expectations for what I believe God could do through College Church. Yeah, which means I'm going to be disappointed. Which is why you're their pastor, though. I think to a degree, pastors are always going to have that thirty thousand foot up view of what could be right, mm -hmm. of calling the church to be the church that Jesus believes we can be. And right. I, I think Jesus believes in that. So I think pastors have a choice to protect their heart while pastoring or leave their heart out there and pastor. Mm -hmm. And I have always chosen to lead with my heart. Yeah, me too. I'm just going to, if 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 it if we don't, we become robotic I and unpresent and detached. I determined early on I didn't want to end up being a suit. No. 
I don't want to be a suit. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I can't preach every sermon with passion, and if I can't enter into into every relationship thinking that it is forever, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 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 um, and every every family that leaves your church doesn't leave because of you, and it's not be and it's not always. Sometimes it is. Sometimes they do leave because of you, right? Which is which uh, is painful, but um, not not every decision the parishioners make is about you. No, it really isn't. It really isn't. I mean, sometimes it's their own stuff that they're going through. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and for it goes sure. back again yeah. to what you talked about, how sometimes we spiritualize the reasons that departures or exits right. or um, um, as to why these things come to an end. Yeah. And you know? sometimes it's just is what is. And, mm -hmm. you know, if Paul and John Mark could separate and double the evangelistic effort of the church yeah. uh, and come together later. Um, I have reconciled myself to the idea that some reconciliation will only happen when the kingdom is fully fulfilled. There you go. So, wow. I mean, thanks for asking about where I'm at at yeah. this church. Um, but I think the Lord is also asking me to live into these podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm I'm not... I am living what I'm calling other pastors to. Yeah. 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 So. No, and thanks for sharing. Um, I think that you probably broke something open in, in a good way in a lot of our listeners and um, realizing that if, you, if you're held captive still by corporate metrics, that doesn't make you a terrible person or a terrible oh, pastor. Oh, I need an exorcism. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> hey, where are, we, where are we headed next, Mark? So, um, so. We're going to invite uh, Dr. Beth Felker Jones to mm -hmm. come in, and so we talked about incarnation. We started with incarnation, and mm -hmm. it led to conversations about soteriology and the nature of salvation. And all of this is under the banner of ecclesiology, because right. we're what's what? How do we do church in light right. of these theological convictions? What I believe uh, the American Church is always underestimates and is always blindsided by is the nature of sin as it manifests itself in the local church. Yeah. And so um, I think we were blindsided by uh, the nature of sin at Northern. And I think pastors, part of the disappointment that they live with is because they just underestimate how infectious, how pervasive sin among the body of believers yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. And so navigating um, the sin of others as it impacts your church mm -hmm is uh, perhaps the test yep. for a pastor. Yeah. How do you work through, I mean, how do you bring a church through a period of dysfunction? Yep. Which I think every one of us has to do. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we're going. We're going to just begin talking about how sin impacts the local church after a conversation with Beth Felker-Jones about the nature of sin. Mm-hmm. And I don't, don't want to give anything else away. I think that'll be a really fruitful conversation. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And so, friends, thanks so much for listening in and um, joining us at this table, the pastor's table. And we think of you often um, and just pray. Pray that the Spirit of God is sustaining you through the ups and the downs as you lead with your heart. And thank you for listening. And again, we hope that the Lord will speak through us in a way that is nurturing your call 
and your life in Christ in the local church.